Yo, Spence, what up? How's Tampa today? Still hot, still humid, hoping that it's not raining today or even tomorrow. Wait, tomorrow? We made it! Woo! We made it, baby! Let's go! This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Brian Logan is back on BYU Sports Nation. It's good to see you, man. How you been? You too. You too. I've been I've been good, man. I've been I've been blessed. Um, can't complain, man. I'm I'm excited to be here, uh, seeing everybody. You know, and I walked in and I saw Ben. I was like, ah, I'm home. I'm home. It feels good. It feels good, man. Yeah, we, I think someone started playing, I'm coming. And we're like, <laughs> where did this come from in the background? No, it's good to have you, man. And, uh, yeah, here we are on the precipice of another season. Yep. It's September. Yep. Ball camp's done. We can stop talking about practice. Mm-hmm. We can talk about games. Yes. This is exciting. And you're going to be part of uh, BYU Sports Nation game day two hours now yep. on Saturday. That's going to be a fun show, man. It's, it is. And, and, you know, I was campaigning for that for what? For years. Years, now, right? Now, I was like, I was like, we did a three-hour three show, Brian. In the rain? In the rain with Texas. We I delayed still, two I, And I still, every time you bring this up, I still got to bring up the invoice. I still need my suit to be reimbursed. It's been eight years. You, you haven't sent an invoice I, in for the suit. I, t- I, I sent Alema hasn't either. I sent it to you. Oh, no, you I must have got the wrong email. No, uh, but you know, I, you know what? Look, everybody. I did Jaron. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> look, 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 check this out. Everybody is happy and excited. Uh, like you said, you know, guys are, are now moving into the game. They don't have to hit each other anymore. Us as fans, we want to see some live action going on. And everybody's been waiting for, what, nine months? I've been waiting for, like, three years for this moment, you know what I'm saying, to get yes. back. So I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm excited to be back with everybody. There's been, you know, such a buzz around uh, the community. You know, everybody's you know, when they see me out, they're like, oh, are you coming back? When are you coming back? Like, finally. I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm finally coming back. You're going to send year. a fax like Michael Jordan that just says, I'm back. I am. I am going to do that. Yep. <laughs> Good luck finding a fax machine. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Brian Logan. He's back on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, obviously, we are stoked about this team. I'm trying to remember the last time we walked into a season this confident. Yeah. I mean, it's been 20-plus years probably where we knew what we had coming off a great year, the quarterback, the coordinators, uh, yeah. the coaching staff. You add pieces to an already good team. Obviously, losing Tyler is your massive loss, yeah, yeah. but we think Christopher Brooks is pretty good. How are you feeling about this group against this schedule? I think it's our year, man. Like, what does like, that mean? Like, this sounds so cliche. It does, but I feel like all the pieces are are there. You know, the ingredients that make up a good team, uh, and, and I would say a great team, like you just said, are there. One, uh, you guys have. The, the, the production that's coming back. You have the returners, um, the coordinators, right? You know, I, I know, I think I saw a stat that said that BYU ranked number one in that production coming back. Yes. Um, and then you have the schedule to do it, right? So, you know, there's times... To do where, what, Brian? To... Because this schedule's harder than last year, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah okay, now, now l- l- look, listen, listen. <laughs> we, we know, we know there's, there may be two or three teams, sure. you know, uh, P5 teams where they, they're not that good. Right, like, like 2009 when I played Oklahoma, right? We won, it was good, and then towards the end of the year we were like, oh, they, oh. they went eight and five, still good, still, still but good. They weren't like challenging for national right, titles. Right, exactly. You knocked and, out the Heisman Trophy. Right? right, and and so this with this schedule, if if we had the same assumption, you could look, you know, throughout the years, right? Like BYU has has beat these Power Five schools that 
you know, have had a down year. Um, and, and the significance changes, you know, over time as the season progresses. But the, I think these schools on this schedule have such a brand name that if that were to be the case this year, I think it's, it's easily, it, I don't say easily, but I think it could be overlooked in the eyes of the media, right? It's and, going to be a good win regardless. Re if BYU beats Baylor, it's a good win regardless of yes. whether Baylor's 9-3, and 11-1, and 7-6. and 100%. You, At Oregon. You, are, Dame, you, you articulated that way better than I did. No, but no, yeah, no, exactly. You're no, right. I'm trying you're to right. understand your point. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And, 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 and so um, it's, it's the year where let's, – uh, I'll take a step back. Let's say the schedule isn't as hard or tough or, or you don't have those brand-name schools, right? And let's say BYU just loses one game. What's the argument going to be from the media? Well, this was 2020, was it not? Bingo, exactly. So if that's the case this year, though – I think it's a, it's a tougher argument, meaning there's an opportunity to play in a high-level, you know, uh, bowl game. If BYU goes 10-2, and two, that could be equal to 11-1 and one on an easier schedule. Or, frankly, 9-3, yeah. and three, depending on how the opponents go. Like, if BYU finishes, having played four teams who, who finished ranked, yep. finished ranked, it's one of the toughest schedules that BYU's ever played. I don't believe that four will finish ranked. I believe two or three will. Yeah. But, like, how many do you win out of that? So we've talked about the big four being Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, and Arkansas in that order. There are other big games, but not as big as those four. If yeah. BYU splits that, I'm happy, man. I'm I, what, what would you be happy with? 3-1. <laughs> I'd be ecstatic <laughs> with 3-1. Three three, That'd be three, crazy. 3-1. Three man, you, you know what? It's hard to articulate in regards to the, the momentum, right? And, and the momentum is there. It's, it's tough, especially in that nowadays with, with college and, and kids are transferring. Like, you go through camp and then kids are transferring. It's crazy, you know what I'm saying? And, and so when you have a team that has been successful, they've been around for a while, and then they're coming back, you kind of, like me as an athlete, I'm pinching myself. You know, I'm like, man, we, we, have, we have guys coming back. We have depth that we got from last year. Um, we have a, a, a schedule that media can't really argue against, you know, if we're successful uh, with. And so you, you really think about all of the pieces that, that you need, right, to have that special season, you know, to, to, to win 10 games, to win 11 games. Um, it's, it's, it's there, man. It's, it's there. So, so thinking about it, I get goosebumps. And the expectations, you know, from somebody that's been in the program, somebody that's, that's seen the growth from Kalani and, and how he's took over the program and, and, that, and his momentum, right? Like, all of it together, man, you, like, you've got you to feel it. You've got to feel it, man. I, I feel like everybody does feel it. And you, and you, listen, yes. to these, you listen to these interviews. That's the key, man. The, the culture and the interviews really has me hyped. I get goosebumps hearing every other guy because – you know, they, 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 they feel it, too. You know, they, they said, look, I, I feel like we're on the cusp of something. Like, like it's going to be a good year. You know what I mean? And that whole vibe, that energy, I feel it. I know fans feel it. I know the community feels it. It's very exciting. We're talking to Brian Logan on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about uh, what could have an impact on this game, which is obviously heat, humidity. It might rain during the game. Yep. You played a game in Florida at Florida State in 2010. Yeah. We don't have to talk about how it went. Oh, it's fine. I can, look, look, we, I, we don't talk about 2009 Florida State. We, we, <laughs> that look, one was tough. 2009 Florida State, that's a no-no. 2010 uh, was also tough, but that whole season, uh, you know, yeah, had that, its ups that, and downs. That was tough. But it ended it, high. You know, I ended up, so there, why we could talk about it is because I got zero balls thrown to me. 
Um, oh. I ended up getting the hurt. The ultimate respect. Yeah, right, exactly. I, I ended up getting hurt, um, I think, like the end of the third quarter. And then as soon as I, I got out, Corby Eason, my backup, came in, and then phew, ball came. So I was like, okay, re respect. So we could talk about that. Well, you got to call Corby out like that. Uh, no. Oh, well, <laughs> it, was it was an incomplete ball. Okay, you know? okay. Yeah, okay, okay. So, you know what I mean? My, I look, you. look, if you're my backup, you like, look, my, my backups are good. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I mean, was, Spencer and I feel that way, too. <laughs> Oh, speaking of that, um, no, nah, I'm just playing. I told Ben, I said, look, I said, look, man, I'm, I'm happy I, you know, I, I got in and it's one showdown. I got three more left. It's next, next is AFR. I'm trying to keep back in with AFR. The third one is, you know, this show. You got hey, on a two-hour pregame show. That's hey, the biggest one we got. You know, think, right? One down, three to go. Uh, uh, two to go. Um, so with, with, with Florida State, I, what I remember was it being hot, like extremely hot. Did it affect how the way you could play? Um, could you be yourself? Could you play your game? So whenever I was on the sideline, I was hurting. Like when I, which is interesting, right? Like you had losers limp on the sideline. No, no, no. I didn't have losers limp because I was, you know, when you when you don't get no balls thrown to you, you you know, you're a winner. I'm using something you're afraid. Boo Boo Johnson, losers limp. Yep, yep, yep. Those Vaseline. I remember now. Yeah, Vaseline. I remember. I remember the seniors. We went and talked to Coach Minnehaha. We said, Hey, can we wear all white? You know, because it's gonna be hot. And so that was that was fun and that was cool, but. Um, man, I thought I thought I was I would be impacted because I always get cramps. You know, you know stories of like when I played against Utah here in 2009, and I had the pickle juice and I was cramping. And the stadium was you know cheering, chanting, name. cheering my name, and, cool. and so I've always that was a Rudy moment. That was yeah, that was. I think I'm taller than Rudy, Rudy right? Uh, I can confirm that. Okay. I interviewed him last year against Arizona. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, there we I go. I asked him if he was offside. Look, another win. That's another. Win. That's another yeah. win. Was he offside? He says, uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. I was uh, like, I, I think you were. You know, you know okay, here, here's another point. I, so I started thinking about this, just, you know, hearing, you know, analysts and stuff like that talk about the, the weather. Um, when we played in the alumni game, they had like these heat, these heat seats, right? It was cold. And I, and I, and I said, I was sitting down and I was doing something. I was drinking my pickle juice. And you, were, you were drinking pickle juice for real? Yeah. During the alumni? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I had two. I had two. You took it as seriously as I, Max did. I had two jars. Oh, we all did. You know, look, so I was drinking it, and, and Nixon was, David Nixon, he had the little, what's the little massage thing? Gun? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a little massage gun. He had, yeah, he yeah, had, yeah. I was like, let's, let's switch. <laughs> so everybody was, you know, taking, taking shots of pickle juice. It was fun. But my. my Acceptable my, my, shots on the sideline of BYU. Yeah. yeah oh, pickle juice, man. Yeah. You know, you got yeah. to do what you got to do. Chocolate milk. <laughs> right. Chocolate I, look, that's all, you only get chocolate milk when you win, right? That's 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 that, that's it. That's the rules. That's the rules. So, my my point is that you know I was I was so astonished by the technology because it was the, the seats were heated, and I was like, Yo, Brandon, B, come here. Hey, I was telling everybody, come here. The, the seats are Brandon heated. Bradley, yeah. Brandon Bradley, Grandpa B, the seats are heated, and everybody was laughing at me. <laughs> you know, like wow, like you haven't. I'm like, man, I, I didn't know like technology like this, I, I wish we had this when I played, you know? And so my point is that I don't think that the players would be as affected, um, you know, compared to when I played, right? And especially in like in games where it was cold, if you were a, a backup, like if, we, if, if there weren't enough jackets, you know, our, our second, second strings, they would wear our jackets and then as soon as we come off, they, they gotta give them, right? So, you know, you're kind of in a, in a you know, uh, pretty, 
pretty bad situation if you're not if you're not actually playing. But you think about the 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 science. You think about all the trainers. I heard the staff had there's like 20 new members on the staff now. You know specifically for for training. A little so, bit of money coming in there. <laughs> man, that Big 12 money, man. Um, so I, you know I think I think the players will be fine. This is this is the thing though. Is this it's mental. A lot of it is mental. You know. So if if you're having fun. It doesn't matter if it's raining, if it's hail. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant because you're having fun, right? There's times where we would we would be playing in in the snow at Colorado or here, and it's raining, and we get an interception or something, and we're doing slip and slides. We're we're doing snow angels. Why? Because we're winning. <laughs> so so winning is fun. Winning is fun. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Last Friday night, an unacceptable and racially targeted incident took place during the Duke-BYU women's volleyball match. Racial slurs and threats were directed at a Duke player, Rachel Richardson. She shared the following statement on Twitter. Quote, Hello, my name is Rachel Richardson. I'm a sophomore on the Duke University women's volleyball team. Friday night in our match against Brigham Young University, my fellow African-American teammates and I were targeted and racially heckled throughout the entirety of the match. The slurs and comments grew into threats, which caused us to feel unsafe. Both the officials and BYU coaching staff were made aware of the incident during the game, but failed to take the necessary steps to stop the unacceptable behavior and create a safe environment. As a result, my teammates and I had to struggle to get through the rest of the game instead of just being able to focus on our playing so that we could compete at the highest level possible. They also failed to adequately address the situation immediately following the game when it was brought to their attention again. No athlete, regardless of their race, should ever be subject to such hostile conditions. God has called each of us to be members of one body. While we may have our differences, they should never divide us. That said, I do not believe this is in any way a reflection of what the BYU athletes stand for. The girls on the team played a great game and showed nothing but respect and good sportsmanship on and off the court. Once notified, the BYU athletic director, Tom Holmo, was quick to act in a very respectful and genuine manner. He is at the forefront of ensuring that the BYU athletic staff and players undergo education and training to better handle and prevent the racist, ignorant, and asinine behaviors that were exhibited by their fans during the match. She continues, It is neither my nor Duke Volleyball's goal to call BYU Athletics out, but rather to call them up. This is not the first time this has happened in college athletics, and sadly, it likely will not be the last time. However, each time it happens, we as student-athletes, coaches, fans, and administrators have a chance to educate those who act in hateful ways. This is the opportunity to dig deep into closed cultures which tolerate amoral racist acts such as those exhibited Friday night and change them for the better. It is not enough to indicate that you are not racist. Instead, you must demonstrate that you are anti-racist. My team and I were fortunate enough to go through a long talk, which is an educational series on the roots of racism and how to be an activist in not just dealing with racism, but preventing and ending it. This helped to equip us to deal with the situation in a mature manner 
rather than to react in a retaliatory manner. I want to express my gratitude to the Duke Athletics Administration for being quick to act on my team's behalf. Additionally, I'd like to thank my coaching staff and teammates for immediately dealing with the situation to the best of their ability the minute they were made aware of it. Further, I would like to thank anyone who has reached out to make me aware that you stand with us. Finally, I understand some people would have liked more to happen in the moment, such as an immediate protest and refusal to play on. Although the heckling eventually took a mental toll on me, I refused to allow it to stop me from doing what I love to do and what I came to BYU to do, which was to play volleyball. I refused to allow those racist bigots to feel any degree of satisfaction from thinking that their comments had gotten to me. So I pushed through and finished the game. Therefore, on behalf of my African-American teammates and I, we do not want to receive pity or to be looked at as helpless. We do not feel as though we are victims of some tragic, unavoidable events. We are proud to be young African-American women. We are proud to be Duke student athletes, and we are proud to stand up against racism, end quote. BYU Athletics issued the following statement Saturday. All of God's children deserve love and respect, and BYU Athletics is completely committed to leading out in abandoning attitudes and actions of prejudice of any kind and rooting out racism. When a student athlete or a fan comes to a BYU sporting event, we expect that they will be treated with love and respect and feel safe on our campus. It is for this reason BYU has banned a fan who was identified by Duke during last night's volleyball match from all BYU athletic venues. Although this fan was sitting in BYU student section, this person is not a BYU student. To say we are extremely disheartened in the actions of a small number of fans in last night's volleyball match in the Smithfield House between BYU and Duke is not strong enough language. We will not tolerate behavior of this kind. Specifically, the use of a racial slur at any of our athletic events is absolutely unacceptable, and BYU Athletics holds a zero-tolerance approach to this behavior. We wholeheartedly apologize to Duke University, and especially its student-athletes competing last night for what they experienced. We want BYU Athletic events to provide a safe environment for all, and there is no place for behaviors like this in our venues. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo addressed the crowd at Saturday's Washington State BYU match. Here are his comments. For those, for those who don't know me, my name is Tom Homo. I'm the Athletic Director at BYU. At last night's game, there were some egregious and hurtful slurs that were directed at members of the Duke University women's volleyball team. I'm the athletic director, and I'm accountable for what happens in all our athletic events. And with that in mind, the process to get better and to heal has already begun, as you can see, and you'll see a little bit more often. I want you to know that this morning I visited with the young athlete on Duke's team and her coach. If you would have met her, you would have loved her. But you don't know her, and so you don't feel that way. As children of God, we are responsible. It's our mission to love one another 
and treat everybody with respect. And that didn't happen. We fell very short. We didn't live up to our best. I asked that everyone at all of our games that represent BYU, that you will have the courage to take a stand and be able to take care of each other, and more importantly, the guests, our guests who we invite to come and play here so that we can be disciples of Christ and show it in every way. I love how Cougar Nation, how The Rock and all our fans are incredibly in support of our teams. Cheer them on as loud as you can, but do not cross the line where you would hurt or harm anyone in any way. Love you, Cougs. Thanks. BYU head volleyball coach Heather Olmstead said the following in a statement released yesterday. Racism in any form has no place at BYU or anywhere else. I apologize for what the Duke student-athletes experienced during our match on Friday. We must do better. I have been able to have productive conversations with the student-athlete who was impacted the most Friday night. Rachel Richardson, the Duke volleyball team captain and the Duke volleyball head coach. They have helped me understand areas where we can do better. I thank them for taking the time to speak with me. I want the very best for them and the entire Duke team. Let us be clear. There is no room for racism at BYU in any form. The racist actions of an individual and the inaction of other individuals to stop this behavior ultimately reflect poorly on the school, the athletic department, and all those associated with them. Do not participate in or tolerate this type of racist behavior at any event. It is important that we create a welcoming and safe environment for any athlete or coach who competes for or against BYU. As representatives of BYU and fellow fans of the Cougars, we wholeheartedly ask all of you to do better and be better. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. As we just mentioned, the Big 12 Conference has opened negotiations with Fox and ESPN, their TV partners, to explore the new contract for the new Big 12. Now, many didn't anticipate this happening until next summer, Jason, but Brett Yormark and the Big 12 want to get a head start on this and certainly want to discuss things while the Pac-12 has opened up their discussions just probably to see kind of where those monetary values rank. In fact, the Big 12 conference tweeted out the following to make it official. The Big 12 announces it will be entering into discussions with its multimedia partners to explore an accelerated extension of its current agreements. Pete Thamel added, this could potentially mitigate one of the Pac-12's advantages in the marketplace. Your mark is doing what he should be doing, trying to gain an advantage. Max Olson, Big 12 Insider, added, makes a lot of sense for ESPN and Fox to get this started early so they can understand the full landscape. The Pac-12 and Big 12 are the only Power 5 leagues on the market in the next five years. Okay, Jason, now that we've read through those tweets, you got some perspective. What does it mean 
for the Big 12 to open up their media negotiations at this point? Uh, a couple of things. First and foremost, whether this results in any sort of extension or anything like that, this is mostly a fact-finding mission. And we, we saw this, you know, over a month ago with the Pac-12, who, you know, and, and they, you know, were touting the fact that they were first to market. They had the exclusive negotiating rights because nobody else was negotiating with their, with their media partners. So we kind of got to see what this looks like a little bit watching them go through this. But make no mistake, this is also a play by the Big 12 to muddy the waters, so to speak, and not allow the Pac-12 to have exclusive or exclusivity in terms of dealing with their multimedia partners. The Big 12 now comes in and starts to get some of that attention from Fox, some of that attention from ESPN. And now, as I mentioned, a fact-finding mission, you find out where the, the two uh, media partners feel the Big 12 is. You can then start throwing out scenarios. Okay, well, if we add X number of schools, or if we add two, if we add four, then you can go even further. If we add this school and this school, what does that do for us from a financial standpoint and in terms of how you view us? That's what this is all about. Even if they don't come to an agreement, this is a really important step in just finding out where Fox and ESPN view the Big 12. The word of the day in regard to this topic is proactive. Yep. Yes, and why would we believe that Brett Yormark, who said in expansion talks, we're open for business, wouldn't be open for business to accelerate this contract right now. Yes, this is exactly what the Big 12 should be doing right now. Throw it out there. Let's open it up. Let's discuss. Why wait and then have to be on a time crunch of sorts when you have extra time? You got ample time. You know what's going to happen. You know the four teams coming into the conference. You know the Texas and Oklahoma are leaving in 2025. Let's just discuss now. Let's figure it out. And so, yeah, this, this kind of seemed like a no-brainer. For, for sure, any good businessman, and Brett Yormacher is certainly that as the new Big 12 commissioner, is going to do this. Now, what this is not, Jason, and I've seen this kind of leak out on social media this morning, this is not a guarantee that the Big 12 conference is surely looking to expand and add teams. Of course not. This is not the guarantee. Like, media rights and expansion can be exclusive from each other. They don't have to go together. So this is not saying oh, Big 12 is accelerating this because they want to expand and they want more money. No, certainly that's in their minds. It's p potentially part of it's the conversation. It's one of the options. Yeah, but it's not a guarantee that, oh, here we go. It's a it, They're going to add teams for sure. It is not that. This is just a good business move. All right, let's uh, turn our focus to the actual game coming up on Saturday, BYU and South Florida, and uh, it's in how many days? Countdown to the Bulls. Three days away. Three. Three days away. Trey Bien. Three days BYU away. BYU football back in action. And this was pretty interesting. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus projections for week one has BYU beating USF by a final score of 37 to 20. Uh, so I'm doing the math. So a 17 point, uh, uh, 17 uh, point victory. Uh, it's fine. Jerem's not here. It's fine. It's fine. So a 37 to 20 final score. Is that an acceptable win for BYU in your opinion? And if not, what do you believe is an acceptable final score for BYU against South Florida on Saturday? C certainly a victory by the margin that shall not be named. <laughs> Is acceptable, Jason. It's the Voldemort. 
of yes. scores? Yes. Spreads? I, I shall not say the specific number. You're all smart. You can do the math. If it is by the score that shall not be named, all right. Hallelujah. Maybe it's the end of the curse. Okay. Frankly, do you think Bill Conley did that on purpose? <laughs> is I, he sticking it to BYU? Uh, yeah, Bill has been on the show multiple times. <laughs> We're, We're like kidding, Bill. of course. Great We're kidding. kidding. No, this is purely a mathematical formula that just so happens to have BYU winning by that specific margin. Uh, I am of the opinion, Jason, that if BYU wins by one or they win by three or they win by seven or they win by ten, they just have to get out of South Florida with a victory, so they're 1-0 coming back to Provo to take on what we believe, unless some crazy thing happens against Albany, a top-10 Baylor team. It'll be weird if BYU has to go down to the wire and let's say they have to kick a field goal like with a few seconds remaining to walk off and win that game. And it's like, oh, whew, survival, relief. And then we're like, oh, man. BYU maybe didn't play as well as we thought they were going to play, and there might be additional concerns going into Baylor. So, like, I'm okay with just any win, but I am not ignorant of the idea that if BYU has to go down to the wire at USF, that there won't be some significant concerns that are rising. Because, if, frankly, if BYU is a top 25 team, Jason, it should not be a one-point game. It shouldn't be. Yeah. And they are a 12-point favorite, give or take, depending on which line you're looking at in Las Vegas. If BYU wins by one, then, yeah, it's going to bring up some question marks. Like, if if they're as good as we think they are, it should not be this close. So, for me, I am hoping, I am hoping for at least a two-score win, which would mean nine points or more. Spencer, my friend, uh, I am a simple man. Okay. Not really, but for the purposes of this conversation, let's just run with it. (laughs) All I want is a victory. That's all I want. So, you and I are on the same page with that. At the end of the day... If BYU comes out with the victory, I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be able to go on with my Saturday sure, feeling yeah. pretty good. Yeah. But I'm with you. We know how good this team should be. And so I do have higher expectations in terms of what I want to see, certainly on the offensive side of the football. So, yeah, I, I'm, I, I would love to have a score that shall not be named final you know, spread. <laughs> That would be awesome, you know? And quite frankly, I think it's very possible Yeah, yeah. with what we know of this team. So, yeah, I'm going to be happy with any victory as long as it's a win, which we all are expecting in this game. But because of what we know, yes, I do expect this to be with at least, you would think, 10 to 14 points. That's kind of what you go in assuming. Two scores. Yeah, so I'm saying nine or more points. I'd be like, okay, this is kind of what I expected. I think South Florida is better than most people and most preseason projections are saying that South Florida should be. You cannot overlook an opponent, especially game one. But BYU goes in as the better team and should win this game. South Florida's a good team. Uh, And I'm not saying that BYU won't trail at any point in this game. They could very well trail. However, we talked with Trevor Maddich earlier this week, and he said, look, establishing a lead early is going to be critical, especially in a game where heat, humidity, and probably some rain on and off, if not a steady downpour during the game, is going to be a factor. That's the thing that we have no control over. BYU, South Florida, they have no control over what the weather is going to be. And frankly, if it's like a deluge and like there's these late summer storms coming in, it's the rainy season in Florida. Maybe it's you. 
if that your happens, trip to New York, rain. You're going to Florida, expected rain. Are we sure it's not you that's came back taken? to Utah? It was raining. Okay, I, think I don't we know. Figured it out. I came I to bring the rain. It, I think we figured it out. <laughs> so well, it, let's hope BYU rains down touchdowns on Saturday. Jason, if 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 rain is in the mix, it's just an ugly game. Whatever. It, we we will excuse a close win, but if it's like fair conditions, BYU nine plus. Yep. Let's go. All right, our question of the day. You've heard what we said. Nobody better say the score that shall not be named. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Good Whip Round is presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. The forecast for game time, Jerem, is calling for 90 degrees with 65 to 70% humidity, 40% chance of rain for the course of the game. What is your level of concern about the weather forecast for BYU season opener in Tampa at USF? Well, you know, Boise State and UAB featured some fumbles in the rain. So there is a uh, little bit of concern. But if BYU's O-line is super legit, like we think it is, and uh, you know we'll talk about it in a second, but PFF says it's one of the top ten, then why won't, wouldn't BYU just uh, just run the rock and dominate, regardless of what the uh, the precipitation is like? Yeah, Jeremy, you were talking about that with me this morning with uh, oh, the rain and the fumbles and like. Yeah, it was a setback for BYU last year, so there's some PTSD mentally there for me on behalf of BYU. But, you know, BYU didn't have in those games last year a healthy starting Jaron Hall. He played against Boise State, was clearly not healthy. He did not play against UAB. He's healthy. He's playing against USF. As much as the rain may stink and muddy up the game quite literally, you got Jaron Hall. He's the captain. He's going to lead that team behind that offensive line. So my concern is not as great as it once was. What do you think of the NFL cuts with the BYU guys? Well, you never like to see it, right? However, we are starting to see some guys that are coming back onto practice squads with Zane Anderson. Even Matt Bushman got placed on the injured reserve. Hopefully he gets to land with the Kansas City Chiefs. Tyson Williams and Chris Wilcox with the Colts. I anticipate that we'll see maybe a few more guys end up on practice squads as well, uh, including Kai Nakua and Kairos Tonga. So while the cuts stink, it's good to see some good players with experience in the NFL get called back up to the practice squads. And I imagine just because of the physical nature of the game, we'll see those guys on 53-man rosters as well. Uh, I would love for at least one of the Nakuas to get a shot. I would love, so I would love to see Samson Nakua get a shot somewhere. I, I just think he's such a gamer. He's such a playmaker. So I hope he gets onto a practice squad. Yeah, Kairos Tonga and Harvey Longy being cut was a surprise, which, by the way, the difference between Utah and BYU in the NFL has been stark the last couple of years. The difference is Utah by yeah. two this year. That's it. And if Tonga and Longy had made those rosters, it would have been even. So those were surprised. Happy for Zane, by the way. He's the guy we don't talk about that's sticking in the NFL. Pro Football Focus, speaking of pro football, Jerem released a ranking of their top offensive lines in the country. Okay, listen to this. Notre Dame is number two. Baylor is number four. Arkansas is number five. What do all those teams have in common? They're all on BYU's schedule. BYU is number six. Oregon receives an honorable mention. What's your reaction to those rankings and what it means for BYU this season? 
one, BYU's O-line is super legit like we think. Hey, we're not the only ones saying it. And two, if BYU truly gets the split among the big four, your boy's happy because those O-lines are really good. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to be a significant challenge week in and week out, it feels, particularly with those Power 5 teams. But BYU's right there. I love the validation that that brings. You know, while BYU is below three of those teams, they're essentially right there and right on par with them. We're going to have some epic battles this year, and I'm looking forward to it. O-line play, man. We're going to watch it like we've never watched it before. Are you sad to see the future of the BYU-Utah State men's basketball game become perhaps a casualty of Big 12 basketball schedules? Yes, because that was my fallback on the fact that BYU and Utah State were not going to play in football. Well, at least they're playing in basketball every year, so it's okay. Well, now they're not playing in either ah! of the major men's sports, and it stinks. I don't like it. I like the Aggies on the schedule, both with football and basketball. I get it with football. Like, there are way fewer opportunities to make that happen, especially with BYU going to the Big 12 and finally getting into a Power 5 conference. But basketball, they've got more maneuverability. There are more games. I think you should play every major in-state foe, and it should happen every year. So I hope they can come to an agreement at some point in the near future because I don't like that Utah State's not on the schedule. That's a fun game, and it's fun to go to Logan and play in that crazy environment. And I think it's good for BYU to have that mental challenge and to play up there every once in a while just to kind of be in that type of an environment. I love that game every year. I love it wherever it's played. I do enjoy it every couple of years in Logan as well because it's fun to go up there. They're crazy and, and out of line at times and whatever. Like, it's fun. Um, but, but obviously, they don't cross the line. But uh, 18 league games in the Big 12. If BYU goes 500 um, and then somehow goes 10 and 3 in non-conference, you're, you're 19 uh, you know, and 12 going into the, the conference tournament. To get in that large, you probably need like 19 wins to just barely be off. So it's going to be tough. I understand it. It is a nod of respect to Utah State of we don't want it to be too tough because it's going to be a tough slog yep, in the yep. Big 12. It is absolute respect to Utah State's basketball program, which is very good, even though BYU's won 10 in a row. Jerem, perhaps we've saved the best question for last. <laughs> speaking of Utah which State. Which team will score more against Alabama? Yeah, speaking of the Aggies, as you said. Which team's going <laughs> to score more against Alabama? BYU women's soccer or Utah State football? <laughs> now, we're not talking points. We're talking, like, how many times you score. So, like, three goals equals three scores, right? And I'm not talking field goals. Oh, I'm talking scores. touchdowns yeah. okay. for Utah State. <laughs> There's no way that BYU women's soccer doesn't outscore Utah State football. I think if women's soccer scored twice, <laughs> I don't see Utah State scoring two touchdowns against Alabama. I, Utah State will score against Alabama. I just think it'll be, like, ten points. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I put the number at like 10, maybe, maybe like a 13, couple of field goals and a touchdown. Uh, but I, I feel like it's going to be like a 55 to 13 game for Utah State and Tuscaloosa. So if we're counting field goals, then maybe a combi a, like a combination of those is like one score, maybe. Yeah, like if we're like. It's, it's probably BYU women's soccer, which is crazy. I know. That's and, how good hey, Alabama is. I want Utah to lose every game. I'm cool with Utah State winning every game besides BYU. I feel differently. Maybe I've hung out yes. there more, and it's yes. not, they're also blue. I don't know what it is. But I'm not, like, anti-anti-Utah <laughs> State outside of the BYU game. Utah, hey, if they go 0-12, uh, I'm happy. <laughs>
The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. On Monday, ESPN's Trevor Mattis joined us to discuss, among other things, the BYU offensive line and just how good this offensive line could be. Take a listen. I expect to see the offensive line perform like we think they will. This offensive line is as deep and talented as I've ever seen there, and they have a chance to be one of the greatest O-lines ever to play at BYU as a group. That is quite the statement. Such high praise. From a man who was the starting center on the 1984 National Championship team here at BYU. So, I mean, there are compliments, and then there are compliments, right? Well, Clark Barrington is part of this offensive line that is hoping to live up to these huge expectations. I spoke with him one-on-one, BYU Sports Nation, all access. Here is offensive lineman Clark Barrington. Clark, you clearly are a backwards hat guy, and it takes a certain player with moxie to pull that off, which you're doing right now. Have you always been the backwards hat guy? Um, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, when I usually wear a hat, it's usually backwards. So. Fair enough. It's, it's that simple. It I, I shouldn't doubt yeah. it. I look at your mustache, too. And so, I mean, the combo of both is very nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, you should have some moxie because you're on the offensive line and it's a position group that's gotten a ton of offseason love. Um, we've talked with all of you about it. Uh, the media can be viewed as poison and you don't want to read into that. But how do you handle that personally when you hear not just accolades as a group, but for you as well as a projected NFL draft pick? Yeah, um, you know, personally, and I think even just as a group, um, we understand that, you know, these accolades and things, you know, they they were kind of given to us for a reason. And they're not going to be there in, after the season if, if there wasn't a reason for it as well. So, you know, we're just keeping our minds focused on what's most important and that's going on and playing well and playing as a unit and, and doing the best we can and, and let – the awards or accolades or whatever it may be follow you know and 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 hopefully we can can do that and play as well as as we hope to play so maybe it's just the responsibility of your brother Campbell to keep you humble right <laughs> yeah yeah he does a good <laughs> job of that trying to push myself to stay ahead of that guy so <laughs> fair enough yep. Clark Barrington is with us on BYU Sports Nation it's game week. I'm sure that it's hard to put into words just how excited and thrilled you are to be nearing an actual game. It's how it is after every training camp and the grind that uh, is involved there. But you're going to a place that's going to be hot. It's going to be humid, muggy. There's a 50% chance of rain. Yeah. Um, how do you prepare for those types of scenarios and conditions when you're in Utah and you know it's coming, but it's just so different. Right. Right. Well, you know, we're doing our best, the best we can to prepare, um, you know, whether it be wet ball drills or practicing in the afternoon when it's hottest. And and we're doing the things nutrition-wise and, and hydration-wise to, to prepare our bodies and, and our minds so 
So when we are there, you know, we, we stay sharp and, and we perform the way we should perform. So, and we're doing everything we should do to prepare and, and hopefully we'll pay off. Let's say it rains. Does that give BYU an advantage against a team like USF in your opinion? Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see if that happens. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> Let's talk about USF. Um, you've viewed film on them. Uh, you think you have a good idea of what their defense is going to do, and, and you certainly know what your offense wants to try and do. So uh, what do you know about the Bulls and how they're planning on attacking the BYU offense? Yeah, you know, I'm super excited for this game. Um, you know, they've brought in a lot of a lot of transfers and a lot of talent from from other places across the nation. And, and um, you know, they seem to be piecing it together very well. And, you know, the guys that are even that, that are still there that, that were there before, um, you know, they're great athletes and, and they're very talented. And so, you know, we're just taking our planning very seriously and and um, hopefully in the end it will all pay off. So. What's different about this year, this season? Because um, largely it's the same group of guys. But what's so what's different about the atmosphere around BYU football this year compared to years previously that you've been on the team? Um, you know, I, I think there have been some changes, but I, I think it's it stayed pretty, pretty similar to, to years in the past. And I think that's a good thing. Right. Um, we started a, a good culture here and, and, and that culture just continues to thrive. And, and we're we're doing what what is now known as, as BYU football. And we're trying to stay physical, stay tough, stay fast, stay aggressive and all that we do. So, um, you know, that culture is still, still thriving here. So. Maybe you just partially answered my next question, but what is the strength of the offensive line? Um, I think it's just, you know, the more you can play together, uh, I feel the be the better you you're going to be. And so, you know, having guys that have played in, in multiple games, um, having, know what is it like eight dudes that have played in games and, and played together for multiple seasons and and that just helps create continuity up front and and you know it, it just helps us to to play better together which in, in turn helps you know the team play better and so you know, I'm just super excited to see how how well we work together this season and and see how that goes. As good as last season was and as solid as the offensive line was, and uh, Connor Pay corrected me, I think I said you gave up 15 sacks last year. He's like, no, Spencer, it was 12. It was only 12. He's yeah. very aware of details. I was like, okay, okay, I get it. Um, <laughs> as, as good as that was, yeah. um, where do you feel like you need to be better statistically or in certain nuances of, of offensive line play? For sure. You know, um, there's, there's many different aspects. Um, but just to point out the one that you were talking about, you know, sacks, we we hope to never give up a sack, right? And so, you know, that's kind of our goal is to keep Jaron clean and, and let him, you know, do the things that he needs to do with the ball so, so that we can get up and down the field and score. And so, you know, keeping that pocket clean and, and creating holes for our running backs and, and, and just doing the best job we can. Um, hard to quantify how much a team improves over a training camp. Um, yeah, I know you've been putting in work outside of training camp as well and, and player and practices and whatnot, but where do you feel like this team improved the most over the course of the last month? Yeah, um, you know, I just feel like everybody's confidence, you know, in each other and, and in ourselves, you know, has, you know, increased and in, in confidence in the scheme and in the plays and in, 
just our knowledge of the game. I think I think that's where we've taken a a a, a leap of just increasing knowledge and confidence in, in the game and in ourselves. So. So I've heard from a few players and recently read, as a matter of fact, um, from some different personalities around the team about Jaron Hall's demeanor in the huddle. And um, it's all obviously been very positive. Yeah. But from your perspective and standpoint, what is Jaron Hall like in the huddle when you are in a game and it's intense? What, what is his demeanor like and, and what can you tell us about that scenario? Yeah, you know, he's 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 a good calming presence, you know, calming, but also full of confidence and so when we are put in certain situations you know you just when he talks or, or has something to say or even just his presence there you're like you know we'll be all right you know we'll go down we'll execute we'll we'll do the things we need to do and and hopefully the outcome is is what we want it to be so is jaron hall a backwards hack guy like you he is he is <laughs> I love that swagger and confidence, man. <laughs> I, lo I love it so much. Yeah. Okay, we'll uh, we'll end with this. Um, what's the rest of your week um, at, at, with BYU football and practice and, and travel like? Can you walk us through the timeline of the week? Yeah, so we have a couple practices here, and we take off and head over there Thursday morning, um, and, we'll, and we'll practice over there a couple times and prepare for the game, and, and so that's kind of – kind of the week for us you know started school and so we're all going to classes and all that and practice here at the beginning of the week and then head over there thursday and, and practice some more and, and prepare for the game so plenty of time to do homework on a long flight right plenty of time <laughs> <laughs> clark uh, congratulations on getting through camp and Thanks. uh to game week we're obviously excited about what the offensive line is going to do uh, perhaps more so than ever. A, a lot of eyes will be on the offensive line. You guys have earned that attention. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to go take care of business in Tampa against South Florida. You continue to rock that hat and that mustache, and I'll talk Good. to you in Tampa, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. After 21 wins the last two years in its first preseason AP Top 25 ranking since 2009, BYU football is in an absolutely relevant spot in college football's landscape. So, Spencer, what's the next step in the program's progression? It's a great question, Jerem, and I'm going to utilize the pillars that came out that hang within the BYU football office. I know you know them well, many BYU fans know them well, but there were a bunch of things that BYU had not done on that list until recent years, which is beat your rivals, have a top 25 ranking, win your bowl game. There is a go to a New Year's Six game on that uh, pillar marker. So I, I naturally I kind of lean to, well, yeah, it's going to be the New Year's Six for sure. Um, it, it, it has to be the New Year Six, right? Well, now there's the college football playoff that's in play, Jerem. Like, what in the so does the college football playoff then become the next level of natural progression for BYU if it's not a New Year Six game? Th that to me seems like the obvious step. That's a big step, but that seems like the next step for BYU to get to more national relevance uh, and, and do something that Ed Lamb was talking about on Coordinator's Corner, where he's like, look. 
what we did last year and the year probably it was good, but it wasn't good enough. Like we need we need to be at that next tier. We need to get in the top 15. We need to be in a New Year's Six game. So I, I tend to feel like that's the next step is a major bowl game and consistent top 15 rankings where BYU is talked about uh, as a potential college football playoff uh, participant when it expands to what we hope is 12 teams. What do you think? Yeah, the New Year's Six is essentially the top 12 teams, but not exactly because of bowl affiliation, depending on the year, what bowls are tied to the college football playoff, which is currently four teams, and what not. A G5 can be outside of the 12 there and be in. So it's not exactly the top 12. We don't know on this top 12 whether that's going to include auto bids for conference champs or not. If you're the SEC and Big Ten, you certainly uh, probably don't want those because, hey, if the Pac-12's best team is ranked 14th, why should they be in this? Why can't we have our fourth best team who's also inside the top 12 perhaps be in this? So we'll see. To me, the next step for BYU football is not the New Year's Six or an expanded playoff. It is to do it again because it is so hard to do this. One time during my sister's Little League basketball game as a kid, I put up some crazy shot from somewhere and I made it and this codger on the side said, do it again. And I thought, you do it once, old man. But I, I wanted to uh, not feel like I needed to do it again, but, it, but in this case, I feel like BYU needs to sustain what it has done. 2020 was unique. 2021 was unique as well. Can BYU continue to raise the bar without feeling like it has to? To me, that's a couple rungs up there. 21 uh, proved BYU could, hey, play against P5s. That was great. But they've got to show that they can do it again. I don't want it to be a one-off. I don't want it to be like, well, that was an outlier. I want BYU this year to split with those big four, win 10 games again. And now BYU enters the Big 12 as a team that, hey, the last three years, especially the last two, has really shown us they can compete uh, for this. If BYU gets to a Big 12 title game, that means that they will likely be in a New Year's Six type position. Most of the time, the, even the loser of that game gets into a New Year's Six type game. Obviously, if you win, you're in. So maybe we could quantify it as win the Big 12 starting uh, you know, next year, which next year is not the year. To me, maybe the year after that. BYU just settles in. But to me, it's do it again against tougher competition. Take that next step. And then if you really, I mean, if you're putting a list out for everybody, you're not going to say win 10 games again and prove that we've, I get that you could quantify that as uh, get into a New Year's Six. But to me, it's more about once you're in the Big 12 starting next year, get to the title game and then you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, to, to your point, Jerem, uh, you're right. I mean, the, the, the next level of progression uh, certainly includes, hey, do this again. Do it against a really tough schedule. Win 10-plus games against an even tougher schedule than what you had in 2021. Make it three straight years. So, yeah, th there is that sub-step. So it's hard. Like, it, I think we both can be right. They're just That's kind of like the next immediate step that you're talking about. And then, but But I feel like, from the national standpoint, the next thing for BYU to do is to do what Notre Dame has been doing, and that is going to New Year's Six games and, and you know, having a chance at the college football playoff. Like, but you're right. There are several sub-steps to take that big step. The question is, like, how does BYU do that as fast as possible? How do they do that this year? How do they take that next step this year? Because as we pointed out on the show, like, 
oh man, it's just going to be tough to break into a New Year's Six game this year as an independent and not having that many at-large spots available for those New Year's Six games. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I would be just fine if what you proposed uh, happens. BYU wins 10 games against this schedule, and we as BYU fans in a community feel that, that there is progression, but ultimately, for us to get noticed on the national landscape, like, oh, they've taken the next step, BYU's got to start doing things that they've never done before, and that's really competing for a New Year's Six Bowl game and being in one, and then maybe being a part of that expanded 12-team playoff. All right, Jerem, let's take it to topic two. Uh, the road to a New Year's Six game or more national relevance for BYU starts this Saturday against USF. We feel very confident in a number of things about this BYU football team, starting with the quarterback, offensive line, plenty of offensive weapons. We feel like collectively the defense will be better, they're more healthy. But are we perhaps overly confident in some aspects or one aspect? Jerem, where are we perhaps overly confident when we look at this BYU football team? I'll just speak for myself on this. Uh, one, last year BYU is amazing because of several things. The top two things, in my opinion, were in this order, Tyler Algiers' play in the O-line, and two, BYU did not give the ball away very much. In fact, BYU gave it away 12 times, five picks, seven interceptions. Are you kidding me? That's one of the greatest seasons in BYU <laughs> history in that, in that number. To some degree, that's luck. You can control part of that, but it's not all. You can't control whether the ball tips off a receiver's hands and then goes into uh, you know, a defender's hands. Uh, whether a ball, you, can, you can control the ball, but hey, sometimes someone punches that ball out like it happens. Um, that's unbelievable. I hope BYU can approximate that number. I'd take, I'd take 16 or fewer, let alone 12. You know what I mean? And then yeah. the other thing is that we are, we are very confident that Christopher Brooks is going to be very good and that the offensive line is going to be great. Yes. If both those things happen, we're good. But if they don't, it changes things. We're expecting Christopher Brooks and the O-line to be incredible. Yeah, and that's kind of where I answer the question is with the offensive line specifically. Like, if I'm being completely honest, I don't care what the weather is on Saturday, hot, humid, super rainy, if it's just a downpour in South Florida, doesn't matter. BYU's got the offensive in line in place to road grade and dominate Amen. their defensive line front. That, that's, how, that's how I am feeling. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter what the weather's going to be. Like, the offensive line is so experienced, so good. They're ready. They've been told that it could be weird conditions. They've been trying to prepare for this. And they frankly, might welcome just it. Better physically and more experienced. Yes, they might want that, right? They might want to prove, like, good, we don't want to throw the ball. We want to run all over these guys. I, if, if there's an area that I'm overconfident, it is in that area that BYU, regardless of conditions, will be able to successfully run the ball against their counterpart on Saturday. I, I just feel like that that should happen and it will happen. Maybe that's erroneous on my part, but Jerem, dang it, I'm sticking to it. I feel like BYU has the advantage on the offensive line against that defensive front, and 100%. they should absolutely exploit it, and we will see them exploit it. So that's where I answer this question. Am I overly confident? Maybe, but I'm sticking to it. I'm overly confident in the game generally. I think BYU wins big. I, I just, I do. I think BYU explodes out of the gate. It's going to be fun. Okay, question of the day. Where are you perhaps overly confident in this BYU football team? Let's get to you in Voice of the Nation. This is The Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Jefferson Ogden on Twitter. The offensive line, all of the talk from both you 
and nationally has been my uh, has my expectations through the roof on how they will perform this year. Yeah, more O-line talk this year than literally any other year on this show by far. Uh, COVID has, has kept certain guys here that may have been gone. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. second response. Brent Fredrickson on Twitter. I'm perhaps overly confident that BYU beats all the G5s because of the lessons learned last year and the maturity of the team. Hey, that's the hope. You win all the G5s and you go 3-2 and two against the P5s. And, of course, FCS, 10-2. and 10-2 right there. 10-2. and 10-2, and two, man. Uh, and I'm, I'm here for it. Hey, if I'm wrong about the offensive line, I will happily uh, stand on the podium and take the shame. But I don't think I'm going to be wrong. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jim, great to have you back on the program. Thanks. I appreciate it. This is a fun matchup because there's been a couple of games, obviously, uh, here recently. 2019 there, Jaron Hall's first start, first starting black quarterback in BYU history in that storyline. UCF wins that. Uh, BYU and South Florida play last year in Provo. And uh, BYU wins that, but a weird game that's a one score at the end. Baylor Romney's the starter there. What are some of the storylines you're looking at going into this one since we do have some familiarity with the two schools from the past couple of seasons? Well, I think South Florida is a little bit of a hard read going in because there are a lot of new players. There are two new coordinators. The offensive and defensive coordinators will be calling their first games. And the head coach, Jeff Scott's in his third season now, and that's always kind of the magical year where a head coach now has all his players, all his coaches in place. And a lot of times that third year will fall into place for a head coach. And, of course, South Florida fans are hoping that's the case. They're going to be a lot better, I think, than they were last year. The question is how much and how soon. Uh, they have a really, really tough schedule, not only tomorrow, but after that, they uh, have an FCS team coming up in week two. But following that, they go to Florida and then they go to Louisville. So they're going to get tested very early and we'll see uh, how it starts for them tomorrow. For BYU fans, I hope is Florida is at least 1-0 uh, after this week against Utah. Uh, Jim, let's talk about Gary Bohannon. Some familiarity, obviously, with BYU fans having played Baylor last year. Gary had a decent game in that one. They didn't need him to throw the ball a ton because Baylor ran for 309 yards. So now perhaps Gary might be asked to do a little more, although Jaron Mangum is a beast with 15 touchdowns last year. Um, what do you see from Gary that gives you hope that this offense will be different? You know, he's, a, he's an interesting case. He came in late and kind of out of the blue a little bit. Uh, USF uh, was not really in the market for another quarterback. They had Timmy McLean, who played uh, in Provo last year and uh, was a true freshman and had some really great moments. And it really looked like he would probably be the guy here for the next couple of years. Uh, but the opportunity to uh, bring Bohannon in for a visit presented itself one thing led to another, and now a guy who did not play in the spring game, was not here in all of spring, has taken over. His teammates love him. Uh, he's definitely 
a strong leader, which is a big part of what he brings to the table here. And Bulls fans are really excited about him uh, coming in and taking over this offense, an offense that should be quite a bit different under the new offensive coordinator, Travis Trickett. Let's talk about these 13 Power 5 transfers that I think I've mentioned four times up to this point in the show in 22 minutes. Which of these transfers uh, do you feel like will have uh, the biggest impact? I would probably uh, say to watch the defensive line. Uh, the failure to get pressure on the quarterback last year by South Florida was really the core of most of their difficulties in 2021. They didn't stop the run very well. That put pressure on the linebackers, put pressure on the defensive secondary, put pressure on the offense because a lot of times the defense couldn't get off the field on third down. So they really tried to make a move, bringing in some new faces on the defensive line. Uh, the new defensive coordinator, Bob Shoup, is, is a little bit more inclined to uh, blitz from multiple positions. And I think that will make a big difference. But when you look at the players coming in, there, there's new guys at almost every position that should be helping. But the key position, I think, is going to be the defensive line. Shoup certainly got a tremendous resume. His LinkedIn looks amazing. It'll be interesting to see what kind of impact he has. With a group, Jim, that returns nine starters, you add some of those uh, guys. How do you think they match up against the BYU offense that – uh, comes back as one of the top 15 in the country from last year. I think they've got a chance to match up reasonably well. One of the other characteristics of this team this year is much better depth, and that's going to be really important as well. Last year, the game in Provo was not the normal USF game, getting down big early and then coming back. What was more frequent for USF was being right there at the end of the game, either with a lead or within striking distance and not being able to get over the top at the end of the game. Part of that was guys were playing 70, 75, maybe 80 snaps per game, and they just wore down in the fourth quarter. They've got so much better depth at virtually every position this year. I think they can match up a little bit better. They'll go with two linebackers and five in the defensive secondary most of the game. But the big thing is going to be, again, stopping the run, pressure on the quarterback. They've got a lot of vets in the defensive secondary where I think they can, they can really make some plays. But they've got to have help from the front seven. We're talking to Jim Lauk, radio play-by-play -play for the USF Bulls here on BYU Sports Nation on a game day eve. For the BYU fans watching on TV and then most certainly the ones that will be at Raymond James Stadium, what do you recommend uh, nearby the stadium, in the stadium, that they need to make sure they check out? Well, it's a great facility, a home of the, the Buccaneers and a home of many Super Bowls. So one of the main roads uh, right next to it is Dale Mabry Highway, and every restaurant you can imagine is uh, up and down the line there. Uh, a lot of tailgating early on. It's going to be warm. Expect uh, not only warm temperatures, but probably 
probably the occasional afternoon rainstorm too. Hopefully we won't have any thunder and lightning, but there's a lot to do directly around the stadium. It's a great area. Bulls have played at Raymond James and its predecessor, uh, uh, the original Tampa Stadium. Since their inception, they're hoping to move to an on-campus facility in the next three or four years. But right now, Raymond James has been a big, uh, big uh, advantage to them in recruiting and playing conditions throughout the years. Jim, if BYU fans want a creamsicle Buccaneers jersey of Steve Young, do you think they can find one in Tampa? I think that would be a project. This is uh, <laughs> as, great as, as great as Steve was here. This is Bradyville. <laughs> yes, you it can't, is. You, you can't walk three steps without finding a Tom Brady jersey for sale. Um, but uh, I remember I was a young reporter when uh, when Steve was here. It was really before his greatest years in, in San Francisco. But he was a terrific quarterback. But I'm telling you, Tom Brady rules this town right now. What a boon to get Tom Brady and obviously a Super Bowl <laughs> title, which has been amazing, and to get him back after the retirement. You know, just a brief respite in the offseason there. Uh, what sticks out about well, BYU to you uh, as a team that you saw in person last year, a team that uh, won 10 games and is coming in ranked in the top 25 in the preseason poll in the AP? Well, size, strength, and speed, I think, uh, you know, those are – rare combinations you play some teams that have uh, a couple of those but maybe not all three of them the other thing and both usf coordinators have talked about this in their media avails this week is how unconventional byu is and uh, bob shoop said you know he called some of their the things they do offensively random it's not random in BYU's planning. Obviously, they're doing everything for a reason, and it's well thought out. But when you're trying to defend against them, they'll do something, and you'll look at that and say, well, I didn't think they'd do that out of that formation, or they wouldn't do that now or something. So there are very to prepare for. It helps USF, obviously, that the two teams saw each other last year year also it's week one so you got a little bit of extra time to get ready but uh, the word I kept hearing from a lot of the coaches this year at USF in describing BYU is unconventional hard to plan for we're talking to Jim Lauk the radio voice of the USF Bulls on BYU Sports Nation certainly BYU is on this end of the spectrum in 2011 when Utah went to the Pac-12 hoping that it had its own P5 invite. That did not come until last year and applies next year. Now USF's in a similar situation with rival UCF, who will join the Big 12 with BYU. What's the hope for USF football uh, in the future, and what's that landscape look like? I think there's always hope in the college football landscape because uh, anybody that says the realignment is over forever uh, it's probably wrong. Who knows when, who knows where, but it's going to change again. And I think USF is doing a good job trying to get ready for that. They are working hard on facilities. They have a brand new multi-million dollar indoor practice facility that will be opening in a couple of weeks. Uh, over the years, there's been lots of stops and starts about a possible on-campus stadium. This push feels a little different. They've got a lot of the right things in place. I think it's going to happen this time. So facilities are, are uh, definitely a big part of it. 
uh, fan base, trying to grow that is important. And then the biggest thing, perhaps out of all of them, starts tomorrow, got to win some football games. You know, USF has a great history for such a young program being nationally ranked multiple times and some of the great uh, victories in their past beating Notre Dame and Auburn and Clemson but not much of that has happened in the last couple of years so in order to position themselves they've got to get back to where they want to be on the playing field as well and I think the mindset here in Tampa and around USF is Let's not worry about other people. Let's get our house in order. Let's get ready because there's going to be another round of this sometime, and we better make sure we present the best available package at that time. Well, Jim, we appreciate the time. Best of luck on the call tomorrow on the radio, and uh, we look forward to the season opener with BYU in South Florida. Thanks. I appreciate it. Jim Lauk, radio voice of the South Florida Bulls, giving some insight into USF. They, listen, they are going through what BYU went through uh, with Utah. And remember, there was a year there where USF was top five in the country. I mean, I think it was 2016. They were tremendous. So BYU lost this last game in 2019 in Raymond James Stadium. You know who? You know who's licking their chops to get back there and try and win this game? Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. It's game day eve, people. We made it. It happened. We, uh, it's just tomorrow. One more day, baby. Let's go. Cue up, Lamis. <laughs> BYU at South Florida. Pre-game coverage, as we mentioned, starting at 2 Eastern time. And uh, we feel like we can guarantee some things tomorrow. Can we actually guarantee these? Of course not. But will we make an attempt right now? Absolutely. So start us off, Spence. We'll alternate what we feel like we can guarantee will happen in tomorrow's game. Oh, Jeremy, I'm about to George Foreman grill this thing. <laughs> I guarantee that BYU's offense will put up at least 450 total yards of offense against South Florida's defense. Yes, and please. And that might not even be aggressive enough. 450 total yards of offense from BYU tomorrow against USF. I guarantee it. Okay, you'll, you'll like the way BYU's offense looks. I guarantee it as well. BYU is ranked 25th in the country, Spence. They should be ranked higher. South Florida is coming off two-in season. They are certainly talented. They bring back... Uh, they bring in 13 Power 5 transfers. Yet, and I'm going to upset some of you with this, I know you know it's coming. <laughs> BYU by 17 plus. The Cougars are no! going to dominate tomorrow. I no! guarantee that BYU. <laughs> oh, no, he's got to be a close run now. I can just hear Cougar board through my computer that I never have looked at Cougar board in the last, like, five years. Come on, man. Someone goes, no, I know you go to Cougar board. I go, no, I don't. I'm, no. 17 plus, baby. <laughs> wow. You went, you went there with the score that shall not be named. You're not afraid. I ain't we might scared. just call it the Voldemort score. Can we do that? Can we just call it the Voldemort score? Is that hey, fair? Hey, yeah. We learned in the books, you just don't say his name if you're, if you're afraid. Listen, I have a dog, but I ain't scared, okay? Okay, okay. So we have 450 total yards of offense, and why not? Because... 
as we have chronicled this week and so many weeks leading up to the game tomorrow, we believe in the offensive line. We believe in Jaron Hall as a very, very good returning quarterback, a projected NFL draft pick. We believe in the weapons around him. So why not believe that BYU is going to have a huge offensive performance tomorrow, regardless of weather conditions. They should get to 450, and hopefully it leads to the Voldemort score, Jerem, of 17-plus. All right, my second guarantee, my friend, okay? And we've talked about this as well. Turnovers were something that BYU really, really did a nice job with. They really took care of the ball last year. So tomorrow, even if it's raining and it's ugly and it's literally muddy on the field in there, I don't believe BYU is going to lose the turnover battle. They will be even or plus in the turnover margin tomorrow. They will play clean football, even in week one, even if it's raining. I guarantee BYU will not lose the turnover battle. They will be even or plus in that category. I like it. And if BYU is 17 plus, that probably happens as well, right? We are asking to be freezing cold taken in this situation, but here we go. Okay, my second one, Christopher Brooks. Cal transfer, replacement with Tyler Algier. Two rushing touchdowns tomorrow. Two or more. It's going to happen. Ooh. I think BYU is going to get inside the red zone, and this guy is tough to tackle. He probably hasn't been tackled for real in fall camp because guess what? These little arm tackles, these little, little thud drill, yeah, you can't bring them down on first contact. Okay, This guy is physical. He's got a great old line. Jaron Hall is going to get that ball out to him uh, in the flats. He's going to get some nice uh, yardage out of the backfield as well. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Two-plus rushing touchdowns for Christopher Brooks. Wow. Okay. You're not even going just two total touchdowns. You feel two like rushing. they both will be on the ground. You're guaranteeing two rushing I touchdowns. I guarantee it. Okay. I like that. I love it. Okay. Uh, what up? some love for the special teams, Jerem? So my third guarantee, my stone-cold guarantee, George Foreman grilled that thing like Michael Scott's foot in season two of The Office, <laughs> Jake Oldroyd. <laughs> Will not I love the miss smell a of kick. I love the Jake sm- Oldroyd. <laughs> of crispy bacon in the morning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jake Oldroyd will not miss a kick all game long. Extra point field goal. He's going to be perfect okay. tomorrow. I guarantee yeah. BYU special teams and Jake Oldroyd, the kicker, are going to be perfect. We never said these were aggressive. We just said they were guaranteed, right? And listen, the smell. Yeah, my wife yes. hates the smell of bacon. So I actually take, and I cook it in an air fryer now, I take it outside. That's where we're at in my house. Please, people, help me. (laughs) Tweet at my wife, tell her I've got to be able to cook the bacon in the house. This is a problem. Okay, my guarantee with special teams as well is that my boy, Ryan Rico, is going to have a 58-plus yard punt. He's just going to bomb one. And What this means is this will be the rare instance where the offense actually is backed up and doesn't, uh, you know, convert on a third down somewhere. And out comes, uh, you know, the best player on the team to rip a uh, 58-plus yarder and get BYU that field position back. I, I guarantee that's going to happen, man. Are you guaranteeing that Ryan Rico is the best player on the team, too? Is that a stone-cold guarantee? He walks into this season <laughs> as the best player on the team. <laughs> Just because he's a punter. Okay. Now I'm getting texts about air frying stuff, which is great. Which is great. I, I love it. I love it. All right. You know what? Let's, we got a little extra time. I want to throw on another guarantee, Jeremy. Is that cool? Can it's I so can cool. I guarantee can I just can I make a can I make a bold guarantee? Oh is that you're fair? combining bold predict bold predictions with guarantees here? Why not? Why not? Why not make a bold guarantee? BYU has typically 
and, and I got to go back through like the history of independence in season openers. They haven't been like a high scoring team outside of the Navy game, really. Yeah. Outside of the Navy like onslaught in 2020. BYU has not been the team to like score a ton of points in the season opener because yes. it's typically kind you want, of you sloppy walk and there are turnovers. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, let, let's go ahead. Outside go. of Navy, has BYU ever scored like 40 or more in a season opener? Ever? No, uh, well, you're talking independence in, in, in independence? only? No. In independence? No, that's the only one. In, in independence. One time, right? Okay. Guarantee, bold right here. BYU scores at least 35 points tomorrow. Guarantee it. Yeah, I, and go. I like that a lot. Listen, get it done. Because 17 plus probably applies there. I, I'm not. I'm not sure South uh, Florida is going to get into the 20s. Perhaps they do, and we're super surprised. But but our confidence is in the experience return for BYU, which South Florida has great experience coming back as well. But the experience coming back for South Florida is from a two-win team. They've added. A, they hope they're improved. They've added a lot of transfers, as I mentioned, 13 Power 5 transfers. BYU's offense lost, uh, you know, essentially James Empey, Samson Nakua, and Tyler Algier. Like, everybody's back. We're confident this team's going to come out like gangbusters. You retained the offensive and defensive coordinators. UCF has brand-new OC and DC in this case. I just think BYU's ready. Oh, and by the way, they come lost on. the last time they played there. Jaron Hall didn't play against this yes. team last year. It was his first start. He's a very different player. I just think it's a perfect storm of positive reasons why BYU is going to show up in a big way in the opener. And like you said, the rare out of the gates, this offense is ready to rock situation. Why wouldn't they do yes. this with this yes. experience coming back and the quarterback and the coordinator and the whole team minus Christopher Brooks, essentially? Why not? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. 35-plus points, and, and BYU does what they have not done often in independence in the season opener. They look sharp, probably not to the tune of what we saw against Navy because there were some other mitigating circumstances, and apparently Navy forgot how to tackle, according to their head coach, Ken Niamatololo. So I'm going to assume that South Florida has done some tackling drills. <laughs> That's a safe this assumption. Game. But still, still, BYU is going to score 35-plus bold, stone-cold guarantee that their offense will put up some points tomorrow. I can't wait. And I'm glad you brought up James Empey because he signed with the Miami Dolphins. Man, he's, his NFL career still I didn't know that. Jam. That's great he news. the Cowboys. Got cut. He's, he's with the Dolphins. That's what's up. Congratulations. Upgrade in location in terms of weather. Although Dallas, great place to be. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Round is presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, Jerem. Which upcoming BYU opponent are you most interested in watching this weekend? And there are a bunch, okay? Baylor against Albany, Oregon, and Georgia. That's a top 15 matchup. Wyoming, Tulsa, Utah State at Bama. Notre Dame at Ohio State. I'm guessing you'll like that one. Arkansas and Cincinnati is an interesting matchup. Yes, Liberty Southern Miss, East Carolina, NC State. Boise State at Oregon State is a sneaky game. Utah Tech at Sacramento State. You can find it somewhere. Trust me, it's going to be on TV somewhere. And Stanford you mean the internet? and Colgate. 
Um, it's Stanford and Colgate, said no one. Uh, it's Notre Dame at Ohio State. That's just a massive, awesome college football game. And Ohio State's a double-digit fave, if I recall in that one. It's definitely Notre Dame. For sure. Uh, I like Oregon, Georgia, just because BYU plays Oregon two weeks from tomorrow. That game's coming up real quick. We're going to find out if Oregon deserves that number 11 ranking in a real big hurry tomorrow when they take on Georgia. They do not, is the uh, answer. What's the chance women's volleyball remains undefeated after this weekend? Well, we were making guarantees earlier in the show. Uh, 100%, I guarantee it, oh. BYU women's volleyball will be undefeated oh. after the weekend. They've got something to prove against Pitt. They've got Cincinnati. They're together. They have rallied around Heather Olmstead, Jerem. I, I've, this team is so close, and they have battled through adversity this week. They are ready to play. 100% guarantee they'll be undefeated after the weekend. I'm calling the match, so I won't go so far to predict said match. But uh, let's just say that BYU is 105-5 and at home under Heather Olmstead. 29-match win streak right now. Ties the program record. It's also number one in the country. BYU's hard to beat at home. I think uh, I think it's there's a good chance BYU remains undefeated. But Pitt is it, Pitt is really good. Pitt is really good. This is going to be a Sweet 16, Elite Eight kind of matchup that uh, BYU yeah, was hoping yeah, they were yeah, going to get yeah. at Pitt last year. So it's going to be a great match tomorrow night. Hey, speaking of NCAA tournament feel and matches, BYU women's soccer has played like three of those in a row at Ohio State. They hosted Colorado, top 20 team. Then they hosted Alabama last night, which is a team that's just outside the top 25. They'll be in now. There's all types of matches BYU can see in the tournament. Yeah, right? So here's the thing. After the two wins, one loss, one tie start for BYU women's soccer, including a tie and a loss at home in back-to-back -back matches, is it time to adjust expectations? No, I had adjusted these a couple weeks ago when BYU's number three. I said I felt like they're rated too high for me. I felt like BYU probably in the 12 to 18 range would be more of uh, that spot. Although, it's the anti-AP poll thing with BYU soccer. They're like, no, you're number three. So pick your, pick your poison. You're either underrated or overrated. You're rarely properly rated. Uh, but BYU women's soccer still has the same expectation, Spence, which is win the WCC and win multiple games in the tourney, see if you can't make a run. Yeah, in terms of, of the conference and being there to win another WCC crown, absolutely no expectations are changing there. It's strictly just like the national ranking, in my opinion, that yep. we are adjusting, right? Yep. They started at number three, they dropped to number nine, they popped back up to number six. They're probably going to fall down around like 11 or 12. Uh, in next week's coaches poll, which I think is fair. Like, yeah, no, I, I feel like BYU is worthy of a spot just outside the top 10, you know, like like 12. Hey, if they drop to 15, fine. Just, just they'll be ranked, they'll be good, they'll figure out how to get some more of those shots to go in the back of the net, and then they can slowly climb back up the rankings. It'll take a few games for BYU to stick out its hand and see if Mjolnir will come to it. You know what I'm saying? They, they have some games to prove themselves. After reports that Washington has stocked in the Big Ten, could we start a weekly Pac-12 segment uh, sponsored by Crumble? What are your thoughts? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. My reaction says yes, Jerem. We should start that segment and execute it as much as we possibly can. For the Big 12's sake, <laughs> I think we want Oregon and Washington to bounce, right? Because then if you're in the, we want the four corners camp for the Big 12 plus more, hey, now the Big 12 is secured as the, uh, in my opinion at least, the number three league in America, which we're all playing for third here. We being the other leagues, the other three uh, power fives, we're playing for third. 
Shout out to the AAC, that P6 stuff, that's probably gone away now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who doesn't want some more crumble too? Come on, man, let's make it happen. That's a controversial take these days in Utah County. My sister works for HQ, <laughs> I have a conflict of interest here. Free crumble for Jerem through familial I'm, ties I'm still waiting for it. Whatever. No, I had hey, it one time, you're right. Yeah, tomorrow at 10 Eastern, Jerem. Tomorrow night, 10 Eastern, 8 p.m. Mountain. After you watch BYU football beat South Florida, yep, calling it. Sixth ranked soccer will host Cal State Northridge, an opportunity to bounce back. Watch the game live on the BYU TV app or listen live on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We are live in Studio C. This is your day-to-day -day BYU sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We are so happy to report that a series of Maddich Mondays begins We're back. right now. Trevor yes. Maddich, ESPN college football insider expert, longtime friend of the program, all-around good man, is back to discuss a game week. Trevor, college football is back. How you feeling? Yeah, awesome. I mean, this was the most momentous, tumultuous, exciting offseason I've ever seen in my entire life. And now we get to see how it's going to play out on the field. I can't wait for kickoff in week one. Week zero was great, but week one, incredible. I never thought I'd be interested in watching UConn play football, but they played Utah State. Uh, <laughs> so I watched that game. Utah State ends up winning that. But let's talk about BYU and South Florida. One of the Vegas lines says 11 and a half points, uh, you know, uh, a line for BYU to win by. Does that say more about the Cougars or the Bulls? What do you think? Uh, I think there's a lot of respect for the Cougars, but I think that the Bulls are underrated. Last year, they really struggled in a lot of ways, but this is a team that is the second most experienced team coming back in all of college football, second only, by the way, to BYU's experience coming back. But they have upgraded in a lot of places, and if BYU is not careful, if they're looking ahead to Baylor, they might find themselves hitting the mouth in the South Florida sun. So they've got to be real careful of this Bulls team because they are very good. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, we brought up the line. You think USF is underrated. So what are you expecting to see from BYU specifically going to Florida where they've had some struggles, but we think this is a way better and improved BYU team. What do you expect to see from BYU with a tough opening road test in the heat and humidity of Tampa? I expect to see the offensive line perform like we think they will. This offensive line is as deep and talented as I've ever seen there, and they have a chance to be one of the greatest O-lines ever to play at BYU as a group. But this will be a test. People are thinking fans are looking ahead to Baylor. But last year, the USF defensive front was a bit of a liability, so they brought in five transfers from the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC. All of a sudden now there's talent and there's depth there. So I expect the offensive line to step up and show us that they are who we think they are. And I expect the defense to generate more of a pass rush. That's one of the keys for their entire season. Get more pass rush from the D linemen and then get more pressures on the quarterbacks from blitzes. So those two things I think are going to be the keys to start to look for. This is such a weird game for so many reasons. And let's talk about it and get your opinion on this. Obviously, South Florida stunk last year, 2-10. and 10. This is a team that played BYU last year in Provo. Eight-point game. It was kind of weird. BYU jumps out 21-0. South Florida comes back. BYU ices it away, but everyone doesn't know. Oh, with, with like 2.20 left, they have no timeouts. Oh, it's over. We didn't realize it. It's not the same quarterback. It's uh, Gary Bohannon from Baylor. Like, coming into this matchup, 
Trevor, uh, BYU feels like they have the urgency and being on guard. It could certainly be a trap game with Baylor next week at home, but because BYU lost there in 2019 as well, and Jaron Hall got knocked out of that, it feels like the Bulls totally have BYU's attention. What are your thoughts on everything around and in this matchup? Well, around and in this matchup, I mean, the Bulls think they should have won last year in Provo. And the Bulls know that they're better now than they were last year. You talked about quarterback Bohannon, who transferred in from Baylor. He's a, a serious dual-threat quarterback, and he can make plays. Last year's Bulls quarterback was a freshman, and he grew into the role as the season went on, but he wasn't the threat that Bohannon will be to BYU. They've got, uh, as people remember from last year, as BYU fans will, they've got a 230-pound running back. Now, when he gets rolling downhill, he's a load to tackle. They've got speed at wide receiver. The, the linebackers for South Florida as a group are one of the better groups of linebackers in the AAC. You know, Houston, Cincinnati, really South Florida is kind of in that conversation for one of the best groups. And so this is a, a game that I think South Florida is going to come out on fire. And it's, it's like BYU is going to try to come out and, and jump on them early. If they do, I think it'll be a tremendous accomplishment because South Florida is going to give BYU everything they've got right out of the gate. And what they've got is a lot more than most BYU fans understand right now. Yeah, Jaron Mangum is that uh, running back. 6'2", 231, 15 rushing touchdowns, Spence, last year. They've got some guys that can absolutely play, as has been well documented by uh, Trevor here and us leading up to this game. Trevor, we've been discussing BYU individuals, the personnel there. Uh, we obviously love Jaron Hall. We think the offensive line is going to be really stout. And in sports, we often discuss X factors. Well, at BYU, we discuss Y factors. So who, uh -huh. in your opinion, is going to be the Y factor for BYU in this game in determining things and, and really making a huge impact that maybe is a little off the radar for BYU? Well, he's not necessarily off the radar, but Christopher Brooks, the running back transfer from Cal, is going to be a big part of BYU's success this year. There's a lot of pressure on him. Lapini Katoa is back. They've got a stable of running backs, but to replace Tyler Algier, you're replacing uh, a, a All-America caliber playmaker, not just in the running game, but in the passing game. And so they'll need to use a bit of a committee, but right now Brooks is the guy that I think a lot of people are looking for to see what kind of a playmaker he can be, especially behind that offensive line. So I would look there first. The BYU running back position, not just Brooks, but that position. Can they hold up and make the plays they need to make in order to keep BYU even with the sticks and to keep the defense off the field? And if they don't, you have one of the better quarterbacks BYU's had in a minute, right? Jaron Hall had a tremendous uh, junior season. Uh, you know, it, and with COVID, you know, he, I think he has eligibility uh, next year. I don't know if this is his second season, whatever. He's got two years of eligibility, probably his last year. Jaron Hall and these weapons for BYU and offense with that O-line, you'd think there's a run game. If it's not there, Jaron Hall played well in this game three years ago, and we, we believe that he's way more developed uh, in 2022 after a full season, right? So what do you expect in game one out of QB1? What I want to see from Jaron Hall is to not go out there and be a hero. Don't go out and try to validate what's being said about him nationally, that he is one of the sleeper, sneaky, great quarterbacks in college football this season, potentially. Because if he does that, then he'll be outside of the system and he'll be forcing the ball places. There's enough talent in the skill positions at BYU that all he needs to do is distribute, take what's there, understand that, that uh, a five-yard gain on first down with a short pass is his friend because now it's second and five, right? And then if he gets the third and two, it's still a win. And so to understand that part of it, I know he understands it, but sometimes in the heat of the moment, quarterbacks that are accustomed to being playmakers, that are expected to be playmakers, 
in the heat of the moment, will revert to trying to make every play a touchdown. And I think this BYU team is good enough that they don't need one guy to be a superstar to make up for deficiencies elsewhere. This offense needs to distribute the ball properly to the right place at the right time. And I want to see that out of Jaron Hall in this opener because to beat Baylor, they will have to do that. Trevor, everybody talks about wanting to get off to a fast start. Obviously, BYU wants to make a statement early in this game. Are you, are you a buyer or a believer in that idea that the team that starts quickly will win the game most of the time? Or is, have we evolved away from that and football is just so long that it, it's not, it gets too much credit? What do you think? Well, if you jump out to an early lead, you've got an early lead. You've got points that the other side needs to overcome, right? So, I mean, that's, that's you know, the, the advantage of jumping out early. But overall, emotion won't carry you over the course of a game. Yeah. Emotion can jump you out to a big lead. But if your emotion then will fade, and it will. Then from there, the team that executes best will win, and the team with the most talent will win. So you don't want to get so far behind that the, the when the other team comes out with so much emotion that they just jump out on a big score and it takes you out of your game plan. And okay, you, don't, you don't want that to happen. But at the same time, I think BYU is mature enough to understand. They've got guys that have been around football and life a lot, and they're mature enough to understand the way this game goes. And if things are going right in the moment, the thing to do next is run the next play and win the next play. That's it, right? Have that kind of perspective. So emotion's important, but execution will trump it every time. You played on perhaps several of the greatest offensive lines in BYU history. You said this team might have one that's up there or could be the greatest. Other than looking at rushing stats and, uh, you know, third, first downs and, and points, obviously, what are you going to be watching with this O-line that will indicate whether they are dominating and being that kind of group that they can be or not? Tackles for loss. They have to keep the opponent from getting behind the line to either make tackles for loss on the running game or make the running backs cut around a defender that gets penetration, either because he comes clean or because he pushes an O-lineman back into the backfield. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is, does the quarterback have time to go through his progressions and then step into the throw properly? A pass rush doesn't have to sack the quarterback. If the pass rush can constrict the pocket, make the quarterback move off his spot a little, and then make it so he can't really step into the throw the way he wants to, it messes with the timing and the accuracy. And so those are the two things I want to see. Uh, is South Florida getting behind the line and disrupting the running backs before they can get to the line? And is South Florida constricting the pocket such that Jaron Hall needs to move too much and he can't stride into his throws enough if BYU's online avoids those two things then regardless of stats you'll know that they're doing a good job Trevor we obviously have discussed a ton of known entities for BYU and, and we feel like we have a pretty good idea of who they are and what they are going to be and I've asked you this before but because it's game week and maybe your opinion has changed on the matter what is your remaining biggest question about this BYU football team for the for the most part brings back the entirety of its core from last year's 10-win team. Yeah, and, and, it, and it's what we've talked about over the course of this offseason, Spencer. It is the pass rush and the pass rush from the defensive line. And last year, I think they were unfairly maligned for not getting to the quarterback enough because they had so many injuries. I mean, they had epic injuries on the D-line. And by the time they faced Baylor last year, they were pretty much out of people. But that actually is good for this season because a lot of those backups that weren't expected to play as much as they had to late last year got a lot of experience and they understand what it takes not just to play but to prepare and that creates more depth in the off on the defensive line and it creates a bit more skill and that skill is important too with preparation and practice and camp 
because they're going in practice against one of the best offensive lines they will face. And that's critical because Baylor and Notre Dame and Arkansas and Oregon and, and, and these are some of the most physical offensive lines in all of college football. Then I think USF will be, will be improved on the O line, but they won't be the, that caliber. But this D line in practice had to go against that caliber of offensive line and to succeed, their skill had to improve. They couldn't just overpower those guys. I know when I was playing, our nose guard, Brad Smith, was the best nose guard I faced all year mm. in practice, right? And so that made most games feel like they were pretty easy. <laughs> and the defensive line has had the, the concept that we talk about in football all the time, that iron sharpens iron. And so I, I think they're in position, if they stay healthy, to show us a different level of disruption than they were able to show us last season. But it really is the key to the season for BYU. Mm. Can the defensive line get behind the line to disrupt the running game and affect the quarterback without having to blitz? Because then, with the corners that they have, if BYU does blitz and brings a fantastic group of linebackers to pressure, then a lot of good things can happen. But it has to start up front with the deal. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.